0: I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand you save me. The Lord will fulfil his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Purpose. The word purpose has been defined
1: as the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So if you believe in God as creator and the giver of life, it's natural to ask, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What am I here for? And Actually, whether you believe in God or not, at some point, most of us reflect on that kind of question. You know, why am I here? What's the purpose of living? If you believe that the universe is nothing more than a random fluke, then you might logically suppose that your life has no ultimate meaning or purpose. And that's a very difficult position to be in logically and existentially. In practice, most if not all of us need to ascribe some kind of significance or meaning or purpose to our lives because our level of self-awareness means it's difficult to cope with just getting through the day if we don't see some point to it some purpose in it all. Those of us who do believe in a personal creator may actually personalise the question about the meaning of life. Instead of asking, what's the purpose of my life? You might ask, what is your purpose for my life? You created me, you gave me life. What do you want me to do with it? In the New International Version of Psalm 138, the last verse includes the confident assertion the lord will fulfill his purpose for me and over the course of this year as i've prayed for my family as i've prayed for people for whom things have gone wrong that verse has often formed the basis of my prayers lord fulfill your purpose for this person may it not be frustrated May they find out what it's all about. May they give them the resources they need to get through the trouble they find themselves in. Preserve their life. Save them by your right hand. And Bron and Les, I'm sure this will be the kind of prayer that's often in your hearts as you pray for William and Amber. Lord, fulfill your purpose for them. And it's brilliant that God's purpose for these two children has brought them to your home. And with your love and with your care and support, it's possible to see how God's loving purpose for them can really be fulfilled. God's been good to them and to you. And yet, for all my prayers and for all my talking about purpose, I've got a confession to make to you. Because I'm not really being true to the text of this psalm in talking about purpose, because the word purpose actually isn't there at all not conning you, but if you take the trouble to take out your pew Bible and look up Psalm 138 and look at the last verse, you will see the words, your purpose, have little square brackets under them, which means that they've just been inserted there to make sense of a sentence that doesn't make sense without something there. Leave those two words out and you have the clause, the Lord will fulfil for me. (coughs) Fulfill what? The Lord will complete for me. Complete what? And the translators have put your purpose in there to try and make sense of the sentence. It's a bit ironic, really, that this verse about the Lord fulfilling or completing something should be there in an incomplete sentence. But then perhaps the sentence is left incomplete deliberately so you can fill in the blank for yourself. The Lord will fulfill for me. The Lord will complete for me. What is it in your life that you want God to complete or fulfill it's a a confident assertion whatever is not there yet God will bring to completion you may not even know what to put in the blank but he does that entrusting those parts of our identity which we don't know about which are obscure to us entrusting those bits into the hands of God who made us and who knows us inside out and who knows the right direction and purpose for our lives that is part of the security that faith can bring Trusting a God you can't see isn't always easy. Trusting a God you're sometimes not even sure is there, that's an even bigger ask. And if God is there and he's all loving and all omnipotent, why is it things sometimes go wrong? And if God is omnipotent, why should he take any account of me, insignificant blip in the universe that I am? None of the arguments for the existence of God are sufficient to persuade someone who doesn't believe in God already that God is there. And yet, one of the arguments is you know, we live in a universe that exists. Why is it here in the first place? Is the, if the universe exists, is there some kind of purpose in its existence? Is there some point in us being here? at all and if there is a point or a purpose an instinct that we feel perhaps where there should be where does that point or purpose come from and if we see the hand of god in this marvelous world in which we live that can help us to begin to make sense of it why are we here because purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which it exists god made us god made the world in which we live for a purpose, and we have our part in his plan and in his purpose, in his purposes, but if there is a God, how do we get to the point of trusting him? The God whom we worship has made himself known as a God who is full of steadfast love and faithfulness, and he has bound himself to that word, so while in himself he is omnipotent, and therefore he can do absolutely anything he is as free to do. Good as he is to do evil, he has the power both to forgive and to condemn. But he has said, I am a God full of steadfast love and faithfulness. And by that declaration, he has bound himself by his word to deal with us strictly in accordance with steadfast love and in faithfulness as we put our trust in him. That's where faith becomes a bit of a step into the unknown. Does God love me? Can I trust him? Sometimes it's only as you begin to give God a try that you find out whether he really is loving and faithful or not. But Psalm 138 is a declaration of praise on the part of one who has taken that step of faith and found that the ground of God's love and faithfulness is absolutely rock solid under his feet. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold. You made me stout-hearted. In the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You save me with your right hand and you fulfill your purpose for me. God, you were there when I reached out to you. It's a good psalm to use as a basis for your prayers for William and Amber, that it would be as true for them as it has been for you, Bron and Les. And when these two children up on the platform and you looked at them, it's blindingly obvious that none of us enters this world as a fully-fledged human being. Through our childhood years and beyond, we are in a constant process of development and change and growth. And our sense of identity, if not our very soul, is shaped and moulded by our experiences and by our interaction with other people. All the time, as we engage with others, that has an impact upon the kind of people that we are. All of us here, Amber and William included, are the work of God's hands. All of us children created to be in his image. Those of us who are parents have an ongoing role in the development of the children God has entrusted to us ensuring that our home is a place of safety and security and love for them. And in those formative years as children grow up, as we engage with them and they learn to trust us, they grow not just physically, but emotionally, in their capacity to think for themselves, in confidence, and in their relationship with each other, with family and friends, and in the knowledge of the God who made them. Children are a work of God's hands. But they're a work in progress. And God uses parents and all of us to shape and fashion their characters and personalities as they grow. That's an immense privilege and an immense responsibility for parents. And that's why, as a church, we always come alongside parents to pledge our support for you in a service of dedication. And all of us are engaged in that process still of developing and growing and changing And the psalmist says to God, do not abandon the works of your hands. There's an implicit recognition there that our lives, our identities, our souls are an ongoing expression of God's partnership. It's a prayer. God, don't leave the job half done. Keep on shaping and moulding my character. Carry on writing the narrative of my life. Keep working towards the completion of my identity, the fulfillment of who I am, the fulfillment of my potential and your purpose for making me in the first place. And as God's goodness and kindness and steadfast love and faithfulness and covenant faithfulness last forever, may I see your hand at work in my life today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. If, like me, you studied Macbeth for uh, O level English, remember that that tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow continues by reflecting that all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Yet it has to be said that Macbeth is hardly a per- model of a person who's entrusted his life and the outcome of his life into the hands of the living God. The light of the knowledge of God banishes the darkness of the nihilism of Macbeth. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever, says the psalmist. Your steadfast love is there for me every single day of this life, today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and beyond. In words we sometimes use at a funeral service, we, we believe and affirm that God didn't make us for darkness and for death, but for life with him forever. God's purpose for our lives outstrips whatever portion is allotted to us in these 70 years or more or less that we have here. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he talks about the tent of this mortal body being dismantled and replaced by a permanent home in the heavens so that what is mortal is swallowed up by life. And he carries on by saying, God made us for this very purpose and gave us his spirit as a guarantee Of what is to come. Lord, until I get there, do not abandon the works of your hands. It's when we finally get to see Him face to face that we are finally made perfect in Christ, that God sees the finished product and declares, job done. Till then, every day of our lives, in our interaction with other people, in the way in which we trust God in different difficult situations, even maybe the way in which we confront death when that moment comes, it's all part of the way in which God shapes and moulds us who we are, fulfilling his loving purpose for us. Does life have a purpose? Instinctively, I guess, we all feel perhaps it should. Most of us go through a little midlife crisis. I've reached this age what have I done with my life so far, it's slipping away from me and there's so much potential that hasn't been realised. But the God who called us into being and has shaped and moulded our characters measures the quality of our lives not in terms of how much we have achieved but in terms of the people we are in the process of becoming. And if we can have the faith to believe that then the final verse of our psalm becomes the basis for a prayer for our lives and the lives of all whom we love, Lord, fulfill your purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Amen. Let's close our service by seeing together 1569, To Him We Come. Jesus Christ, our Lord, God's own living word, his dear son. We entrust our lives to him as we sing this, our closing hymn. share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship
2: of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.